Good evening to everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. I love this weather. When I left New Orleans, it was in the 90s. So this feels really good to be here and have some cool weather. And uh, I've already told my wife and rubbed it in a little bit. Uh, and she, uh, she wished she could be here as well. And I do too. Uh, sometimes she doesn't get to make it to, to come though because of work that she has to do. But this evening, we want to look at the church that Jesus built. You can look out through our society and through our world and see that there's many different churches. Well, I was out with Brother Tom today. We went to Lake Erie and ran through some of the communities. And just in a short period of time, you see, you see so many different ones. Same way where I live. Same way pretty much everywhere, isn't it? Well, what does the Bible say? And we want to look at it, not what Mark says, but what does the Bible tell us? What does the Bible tell us that we must do and what we must be a part of? Man can't save anybody, but our Lord Jesus Christ can. So let's look at his word. And I want you to think, we're never here to win an argument. We're here to preach the word of God and help lead as many people to Christ as we possibly can. That is our goal in life. And it always should be with every member of the body of Christ to lead as many people to our Lord Jesus Christ. But let's start in a passage that will help us and pretty much be obvious for a start. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. And it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? Pause for a moment. What's the subject there? Who do men say that I am? That, who is Jesus? Now, it's not going to be about anybody else, but who is Jesus? That's, that's the question. And it, and it doesn't change. See, that's, that's the subject that is being discussed here. Then it goes on to say, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said, saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And see there, still, whom do you say that I am? Jesus. So that is critical. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. There's the answer. The Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. Man didn't give it to him, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And see, it was important that we established what was the subject to begin with. And it didn't change through the context. It was, who is Jesus? And who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And when Peter gave the right response, Jesus commended him. But notice what Jesus said here. I will build my church. Now, when we look at the Bible, and this was with all of us, because we all continue to learn 
our entire lives. Even if we read the Bible from cover to cover, it doesn't matter how many times when you go back and read, you learn more, don't you? But he said, I will build my church. What, what did we say just a moment ago? You just drive a short period of time in virtually any community and you see many. Now, how many different Bibles do we have? I don't mean versions, but how many different Bibles do we have? Well, there's one Bible, the Holy Spirit that God has uh, sent to God men that wrote the Bible. Well, there's, there's only one. So we have one guidebook. I want you to stop and think about something. I think we can relate to this. Take Walmart. Everybody's been to Walmart many times. But now, how would you tell if you were going to Walmart or not? Is there any way to know that it's really Walmart that you're going into? Well, you may be going into a different grocery store. Or some. you may be going to Home Depot. How, how would you know? It may be any store. No, there's some identifying marks. Number one, that big sign that says Walmart. You go inside, you see all the little smiley faces with the yellow and blue. You see employees wearing the same colors. So there's some identifying marks. It has their name on everything, especially at the cash register. It has their name on everything. But you see, there's identifying marks. And also think in another way, what about where you live? This evening you will go to one house. Now, I'm not talking about if you're visiting with somebody else, but where you actually live, I'm, I know which house is mine. How do I know which house is mine? Well, it's on the right street. I have to go to the right street to be there. I can't go to just any street. It has to be on the one that I live on. And then I have to go to the one that has the right number on it. Because if I walk in just any house because it doesn't matter, I might get into a lot of trouble. So I better go on the one that is mine. So we, we can identify things. Well, think for a moment. Did God have his son to come here to establish his church and we not be able to identify which one it is and what it is? Well, of course not. If we can identify something as simple as Walmart, surely God has given us his word that is so far superior to anything else that will give the identifying marks about the church. So we can read and we can understand and there's something that people need to know. Now, there are some things that are more difficult to understand than others in the Bible. Peter even said that about some of Paul's writings. Some things are hard to understand. But in general, things are easy for us to comprehend. Thinking of the plan of salvation, and we'll go into that tonight. It's, it's not difficult. God gave us his word that we can understand. Think about it for a moment. What kind of God would it be if he gave us his word and we were not even able to uh, obey what it was? We couldn't understand it. Well, how would we stand in the judgment? We, we would say to Jesus, I didn't know what the word, what it meant. I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend it, but it's not like that, is it? 
God gave us his word and we can understand it. Now, one of the biggest problems that you see in religion is people are listening to just somebody and not studying for themselves. Here's one thing I do back home quite often. I want to do it here. Don't take my word for anything. Look at the word of God. We're going to open some scriptures tonight. Let's look together. And it, we, we can only gain by reading the word of God as we study more about what God says. And I know that you also try to study the word of God with others. So we want to try to gain as much as we can about those identifying marks, the church that Jesus built, not what man has built. And you see churches that have come along hundreds of years later than the one that was established that we're going to study about tonight. Well, that can't be the one that we're going to read about. But let's notice some of those things. The church that Jesus built. Well, the prophets foretold about it. They told us that it was going to come. Now, some people will say sometimes that, well, you people don't study the Old Testament very much. Well, I, I'm going to break that rule if that's true tonight, because we're going to study the Old Testament, son. Yes, we need the Old Testament. We can't really comprehend the New Testament if we don't have the Old Testament as well. They go together, don't they? We're not under that old law. We're under the new law of Christ, but we certainly learn from it. And certainly the prophecies that told about the coming of Jesus and the church that he would build. Notice this in Isaiah chapter two, and this is one of the twos. We're going to look at some more twos tonight. Number two, chapter two is going to be important in some chapters that we look at. And it shall come to pass, this is Isaiah 2, verses 2 and 3. And it shall come to pass, notice, notice what this says, in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the tops of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. Now, that's, that's just one. He didn't say them. And many people shall go and say, come ye. And let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. That God, that's the God. Well, that's, that's our God still today. The God of Jacob. And he will teach us of, of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Well, let's turn to the book of Acts for just a moment. Acts chapter two, there's gonna be some twos, remember. So we want to look at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read some, and then we're going to pause and go to some more twos, and then come back to that too. So, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll cover that as it comes. But let's go to Acts chapter 2, and let's begin in verse 11, and picking up, it says the Cretes and the Arabians, but here's where I want to pick up. We do hear them speak in our tongues, the wonderful works of God. They had gathered there on the day of Pentecost, a Jewish feast day that they were supposed to gather in the city of Jerusalem, the right place at the right time. Pentecost, well, we'll come in a few weeks. No, you have to be here on the day of Pentecost. See, it always mattered to God. And they understood that. They were to be there on the day of Pentecost. But now we're hearing these men 
And they don't all know our languages, but we can, we can hear them speak these languages. How? Well, we read more about that. Beginning in verse 12, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Now notice right there, you have two different groups already, don't you? Some, they're in amazement and some mocking, well, these guys are drunk. Well, if you can hear a language in your own tongue, why would you think somebody is drunk because of that? That really doesn't make sense, does it? That kind of shows the kind of people they are. But in verse 14, it says, but Peter standing up, with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these men are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Turn early for the drinking. These men are not drunk. Uh, there's something, something else is taking place. Well, what is it? He tells them, the Bible tells us, verse 16, notice, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, let's pause here and let's go to Joel. Let's go to Joel chapter two, another two that we're gonna find here. Let's begin at verse 28 in the book of Joel. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens, notice this, and the earth, and in the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness. Remember that phrase, it's going to be important. The sun's going to be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. So that's going to be something that we're going to come back to here in just a few minutes. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said, and in the remnant the Lord shall call. Now, Joel was way before Peter and the, the other apostles, right? So how did they, Peter, how did Joel know this? And he got it exactly, exactly right all these hundreds of years before. It's gonna take place in the last days in the city of Jerusalem, that God's gonna pour out his spirits. How did he get it just right? Now, Peter, all these years later, comes in, he's gonna pick up with that, and we'll come back to that, but we wanna read one more passage first, and it's another two. Some of you will recognize where I'm going with this one, but it's Daniel two. And he also has something to say about this, just one, one verse in the book of Daniel. Daniel says here, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people 
but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. What kings? The Roman kingdom. What kingdom is it when Peter and the 11 are, stand, uh, are preaching here? Who's in power? The Roman kingdom. But now what kingdom is going to be established that will stand forever? Not the Roman kingdom, no. That's going to be the kingdom that the Lord establishes. Now notice the kingdom. He came to establish the kingdom. Now some would say, well, he fell on that, on that uh, part, so he established the church. No, they're one and the same. Our Lord never failed. If he failed the first time, well, would you trust him the second time? Well, the fact is he never failed any time. But now let's go back to Acts 2 and pick back up. But especially remember what we read in the book of Joel and what he had to say. But now notice, and let's pick back up uh, in verse 16 and start with that verse again. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Okay, remember what Joel said? See if this sounds familiar to you. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, not man. Here's what God said. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your young, old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Watch blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Uh, Joel said something just exactly like that. He said the exact same thing. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Sound familiar with what Joel said? Before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come. This is that which Joel said. Well, he's quoted it. But notice verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, here's the thing that we have to remember. There will be a lot of people that will stop right there. Well, see, just call on the name of the Lord. Say, Lord, save me. The apostles on this day did not stop there. They kept on preaching. They didn't stop at that point. They kept on preaching the word of God. And when they do that, something's going to come uh, that's, that's going to take place. But also notice something. Remember the last days. He said, this is the last days. What does that mean? That's a that's a, a subject within itself, isn't it? You can do a whole sermon easily on that one. But let's think back for a moment. We had the patriarchal age when God spoke to the heads of the households, like Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. But then we had the Mosaic period when God spoke through him, the, called the lawgiver. And so God spoke through them, but what did all that do? It pointed to Christ. Remember these Old Testament prophets that we just looked at? It shall come to pass in the last days. Well, Peter says, this is that. It's happening. What last days? Well, some people think that means you can see the, that the world's coming to an end. Stop and, stop and reason. 
See, being a Christian means you, you, you think. Being a Christian is, is a thinking person's religion. That's, it, it is something that we must think about. Last days, this was about 2,000 years ago. What do you consider recent? Two weeks, a month, a year? Hurricane Katrina down in New Orleans where I live took place in 2005, but that's been quite a bit of time now. 2,000 years ago, well, that's not recent in the way that we look at recent, is it? What does last days mean then? The last age, the Christian age. There's not going to be another period. You had the patriarchal, you had the mosaical. Now you've got the Christian age, not going to be another one after this that's going to come. You have the one that is here now, the Christian age. I remember back several years ago, back in the uh, 90s, early 90s at that, uh, a young lady stopped by. Now she meant well, I want to give her credit for that, because uh, her heart was in the right place. We had a little discussion there. And said, she said, you know that we're living in the last days, don't you? Now she meant that you, you know you can see that things are about to come to an end. But we're still here now. And I used to go to the dirt track racing in Crossville, Tennessee. And there was a building, church, church building, that had painted on it, Jesus is coming soon. You know what? That faded away after so many years. Got to be repainted. What happened? That wasn't what it meant. See, we don't know when the Lord's coming. That's what Jesus said. Only the Father knows that. No man knows that. Many men have tried to predict the time. What happens? They all fall short. They never get it right. They might want to quit guessing at some point. But let's look at another Old Testament prophet. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 16. It says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it. Jerusalem. Saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth un upon Jerusalem. Now, here's a verse that is critical to our study. And I'd like for you to take your Bibles out and look at it. If you don't have one yourself, there's one in front of you. It's just one verse. You, you probably, some of you may know it by heart, but Mark 9, verse 1. Very, very important. Now, this is the words of Jesus. Now, I know we hear a lot of things from other people. Let's see what Jesus said. Now, he's, he's there at that point talking to the people. Notice what he says here. He said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here. Those that are standing here, which shall not taste of death, they won't die at this point, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Some of those that were alive at that time would see the kingdom, the church, whichever you prefer to say, one and the same, they would see that take place. So it's, it, unless somebody's over 2,000 years old, that would put Methuselah way behind, wouldn't it? But it took place in their lifetime. So the, you see, again, the last days, but it's going to take place in their lifetime. 
And you see those people that were gathered there on the day of Pentecost. They were gathered there to worship, but they learned something much more than what they knew uh, then. And we're going to come back to that passage. But also about the Lord's church, it is revealed in the gospel. Notice in the book of Luke chapter 8, verse 11, Jesus said, now the parable, parable is this, the seed is the word of God. That, that's what we go out and sow, seeds. I used to, I, I told somebody, I don't think I said anything from the pulpit, I don't believe, but my memory sometimes, you know, you know how that goes. Uh, memory sometimes don't always stay there like they should. But years ago, I used to grow a lot of nursery stock back in my hometown in Tennessee, Warren County, actually the nursery capital of the world. So that's a lot of nursery stock comes. We used to, I used to, well, I grew various things, some uh, fruit pear trees, grew some of them, did well with those. But the main crop I had was peach trees. One year we had about 30,000 of those. But we had to sow the seeds. You know, you could uh, have the seeds. That's good. There's the seeds. It's there. But you got to sow the seeds. You ha we had to put those seeds in the ground for them to come up. There's a lot more work after that. But this, if you don't plant the seeds, nothing's going to take place. Well, the seed is the word of God. Well, that's the God, into, that song that we sing sometimes. Into our hands the gospel is given. Well, it's up to God's people to go and spread the gospel to other people, isn't it? And that, that's actually a privilege that we have. Notice in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, Peter said this, being born again, but wait just a moment. He's writing to Christians, those that have already obeyed the gospel, those that have already come out of the world, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible well, what was that seed? The word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. There's the seed. There's the seed that saved us. And Peter, even in later on, he writes that he put the brethren in remembrance. Well, he's reminded them it was the word of God, that seed that was sown. And you take every one of us sitting here that are members of that, that are Christians, and I can think back, actually different people, some more than others, but we wouldn't be here unless somebody took the time to teach us, would we? Somebody cared enough about us, somebody loved us enough to come and sow the seed. And uh, I mean, did mention yesterday that my uh, grandparents were members of the church and we spent a lot of time on their farm growing up. And uh, <clears throat> also my grandfather, well, you know, when we were growing up, he's not the kind you ask, can we stay home tonight? Uh, that was not a question we ever asked him. It was not, it wouldn't be a good question. But he had a great deal on me and both my brothers being Christians. Well, in return, that has a lot to do with our wives, our children being Christians. You, you see how much it matters by sowing the seed? So somebody came to us and we go to others likewise and that's the seed is sown. So the seed must be sown in order for the gospel to spread. And first Peter chapter uh, one, verse 25, two verses later from what we just read, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is, a, is the word which 
by the gospel is preached unto you. Oh, what saves the gospel, the word of God? That's what will save man. There's a lot of teachings out there, aren't there? Oh, lots of them. What will save us? Peter says it's by the word of God. Uh, and I, there's this show, I, you've, I know that you heard me say I like Westerns. But there's a channel, I don't know if you have it here or not, the Inspiration Channel. And pretty much it's Westerns all day and all night. Sometimes I'll go to sleep with the Western Channel watching it. But sometimes I'll wake up, there's about a three hour period from three to six in the morning that there's a religious program and sometimes I'll wake up and it, it's on. But every time is somebody's asking, sow your seed money. And that way you, you need to prosper. Well, Jesus talked about sowing seed, but it was the word of God. You know, I thought about calling those people and asked them if they wanted to sow some seed money. I don't, I don't think it would work that way. They probably want to keep their money. But why do, why do people give like that? Some of us brethren were talking about that re recently at the congregation because people are not reading for themselves. They don't know the word of God for themselves. And what did Hosea say? Chapter four, verse six, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Oh, we see that in religion today uh, so much. Next, it's organization is local. Where's the headquarters for the Church of Christ? It's not Nashville. It's not Cleveland or certainly not in Louisiana. But where is it? Well, who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head. Where's the head? He's in heaven. Well, there's the headquarters. So there's not any headquarters that spreads out to everybody else what they do. How do we know what to do? How does this congregation, Shamet, you know, so forth? How do we know what to do? We read the word of God. Let's notice some passages. Um, Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus uh, talking about what the Father had uh, given unto him. Jesus, it says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He has all the power. You know how much that leads, leaves for me? Zero. I don't have any or anybody else. We have the word of God. So what he has given us, God gave him all, all power. And God, Jesus, even before he left the apostles, before he ascended back to heaven, where we were at in Acts 2, where we will go back to, he said, go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. We saw that part already. They were doing that. They did what Jesus said. And so the Holy Spirit came upon them and directed them as to what to say. They didn't have to guess. They didn't check notes. They were given directly what to say. Now we have the complete revelation of God given to us. In the book of Romans 16, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, the churches of Christ salute you. Well, that doesn't mean there's different kinds of churches of Christ. That means they're in different locations. That's what we just mentioned, isn't it? And the churches of Christ salute you. So Paul was saying different congregations salute you. Remember, he worked with different uh, congregations. He wrote to different congregations. He left Timothy somewhere. He left Titus working somewhere. 
So he, he worked with different ones. And then you also see in Acts 14, verse 23, notice this. And when they had ordained elders, notice, in every church. Now, sometimes congregations don't have men that can be elders. That's understandable. So if you don't have elders in that situation, the men will make the decisions. But the point is here, elders in every congregation, not one congregation over the other, and we one answers to that. No, it was elders in every congregation. That's very important that we notice these things. It's it's a, a singular thing, not a, not a plural thing where one we get our orders and they go out every year and sometimes they change. You see that sometimes, but not in the Lord's church. Here's what 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 will happen. You can read this Bible today. You can come back one year from now and read the Bible. It will tell you the exact same thing. Man changes sometimes from day to day. The word of God doesn't change, though. It stays the same. But now next, let's notice its worship is simple and sincere. We don't have to have a drama or something dramatic to entertain us. We worship in a simple way that God has instructed us to do. In Micah 6, verse 8, it says, What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? It, it, it was something simple for them. But notice in John four twenty four, the words of Jesus. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, there's two parts to that, and sometimes people get one part right, leave the other off, or then vice versa. Well, we do have to have spirit. We have to be engaged in what we're doing. And this, this is with all people. We have to be careful that we don't just sometimes go through the motions. That's like, say, taking the Lord's Supper on Sunday, that we, well, we do this every week, We then we kind of forget not paying attention to what we're doing. Well, it's really important. Singing the songs like we even sung tonight, Faith of Our Fathers. Well, well those words mean something. They, 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 they're, they're saying something. So our spirit must be into it, but it also says that second part, in truth. Now, some will have the first part. Boy, they're definitely engaged in it. But they forget the other part. The truth, that part is, is left off. They, they ignore that part. And you have to take both of those parts, in spirit and in truth. That's who God seeks to worship him. We're going to notice something else here. In, in this passage. In Matthew 15, 9, and this is vital to this study. Jesus said these words. Now, people, some people worship, but does God accept all worship? That, that's a good question, isn't it? That's, that's a valid question. But in Matthew 15, 9, let's let Jesus answer that. But in vain... Do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men? Question, were they worshiping? There's no doubt the answer is yes. 
Were they worshiping in a way that pleased the Lord? No. He said they were teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. They were teaching people things that would lead them astray. So we must teach according to the pattern that God has given us. So not all worship is acceptable. We learn that right out of the gate in the Bible, don't we, with Cain and Abel? That both of them worship, didn't they? Both of them offer sacrifices. Some people would say, well, that's fine. What's wrong with that? One was not acceptable with God because it was not by faith. God didn't instruct it that way. And we see in Hebrews eleven four that Abel did his by faith. He was instructed to do so. Cain chose to do something different. And when Abel's sacrifice was accepted, it enraged Cain to the point he killed his own brother. See, there was both uh, both of the brothers worshiping, one accepted and one not. So we must worship as God has instructed us to. In Acts 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly, notice, in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. What if we do the same thing today? What would, would it do for us? Here, here's something I, I like to, for us to think about. If we do the same thing that they did in the first century to become a Christian, won't it make us the same thing that it made them? What if we do something different than what they did? What will it make us? Well, it can't make us the same thing that it made them because we're doing something different. It's like you're going tonight we leave and go in different directions. Well, we're going to the same place. Impossible. That's, that's impossible. You, you can't be doing that if you're going in different directions. We must do according to the will of God. Number five, it is based in faith on Jesus. Paul said in Romans chapter one, verse 16, and I think this is a telling verse on maybe some of the people that he was around, some brethren, that not, not the world, but some brethren possibly. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the, this, this is powerful here. This is not some dead letter. It has power in it. How much power does this have? Think about this. Somebody that is out in the world, living in sin, it doesn't matter. You can ever how bad it is a person can do. Well, that person, it can take them once they obey it, and they can be in a safe condition. That is power, isn't it? That is power to change lives. And then we see in Romans 5 verse 1, again Paul writes, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But now I want us to hold on for just a second. We're justified by faith. But what does that mean being justified by faith? Does that mean that as long as I acknowledge God, we covered this just a little bit earlier, but I want some point uh, so I want to make right here. Does that mean as long as I believe, I'll be saved? Well, let's notice something. That was by faith, but in James 2 verse 24, it says, 
you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. God's part and man's part. God's done his part, no, no doubt about that. He's given us the gospel. We must obey it and live by it. And that will save our souls when we do that very thing. But now, I want you to think about something else. James 2.19, back it up just a few verses there. The demons believe and tremble. Do you think Satan believes in God? I believe that he does, don't you? He fights against him every single day. You, do, now, how many people think that he will be saved and he's going to be in heaven? Oh, nobody believes that one, but he believes in God, doesn't he? Oh, there's more to it than just simply believing. But now, let's go back to Acts chapter 2, where I said that we will go. And we're going to notice that is composed of the saved. Now, Peter's standing up on that day, of, of course, the other apostles as well. But now he's standing there and all the other apostles, and they are proclaiming a message to a group that not too much earlier had been yelling, crucify him, crucify him. They had some courage, didn't they? Now, I don't think any of you, I'm, I'm preaching to a group like that tonight. Uh, don't see anything like that. I don't, I don't believe those men had some courage. But notice what takes place. Going back to Acts 2, verse, starting in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. He got straight to the point, didn't he? You're guilty of killing Jesus Christ. He came to save you and you put him on a cross. But the story is not finished. But now remember where we were earlier in Acts 2 where we came to. Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. They didn't stop preaching there. Remember that part? All right, let, let, let's keep going here. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They, they are, they're understanding something now. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They now understand, yes, that was the Christ that we should have been looking for. And look what we've done. They, they believe. But what did believers do? They asked Peter and the other apostles, men and brethren, what, what must we do now that we do believe? in this uh, Jesus Christ. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call and with many other words did he testify, exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. You see, many other words. He didn't stop there. And he said, save yourselves. Well, you mean man's got a plan to save itself? No, God's made the plan possible. Take advantage of it. Do something about it now. Then they that gladly received the word, notice that word gladly, 
Sometimes you talk with people and they don't gladly receive the word. But notice what happens here. And then those that gladly received the word were baptized. And that same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And once they did this, notice what happened. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking in bread and prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Notice, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It is the Lord that does the adding to the church when they obey him. Wouldn't it have been something to be, be there that day when 3,000 people obeyed the gospel? That that's hard to imagine. You know how we rejoice when one person's uh, baptized, and we should, we should. But can you imagine seeing three thousand baptized? That would have been incredible to see. But now, and here's something I think about too. You know, being able to come up here this week, I get to meet people that I've never met before, members of the church. There's members of the church there. Obviously, we, we never met before. Think how it's going to be in heaven now. There's going to be a great reunion, isn't there? And meeting people that we've never seen before, that are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, this evening, if somebody's not a Christian, well, do what they did. Believe. Repent and be baptized. If we're a child of God, if something's amiss in our life, take care of it. There's nothing, nothing that's worth more than going to heaven. And God wants us to go to heaven. We want you to go to heaven. And another point I want to make, if you hear this sermon, I hope you can take it and use the points that are made to sit down and help teach others God's plan for saving men. It, it is a simple plan that we can comprehend. Now, there's other things that may be more complicated. The plan of salvation is not one of them. Even those Old Testament scriptures, they pointed to Christ. And Joel said those things. And then Peter says, this is that which Joel said. Well, even I can understand that. I, even I can understand that. See, the common man heard the Lord gladly. This evening, if we, we can help you, please come as we stand in, as we sing.